the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Power Trip of Wrestling Podcast Empire. Didn't know by now. My name is Chad, and every single week we go back in time. We go back to the new generation era of the World Wrestling Federation. Uh, my guest, probably most featured besides myself on these uh, said airwaves, but when I had a cancellation in a very unprofessional manner, the first guy I could think of to fill the shoes was the great Adam Hughes. Welcome, one and all. Uh, apologies in advance if you hear a lot of coughing, such as this. <clears throat> but this, I've got a bit of a dry throat. Uh, on the tea, enjoying a, uh, a, a the end of dry January. It's rapidly finishing up. And plus, uh, I was just thinking this the other day, because it's Royal Rumble season, I've been watching a lot of stuff on the network, because we still have it here. Did WWE have they ever done a new power gen a new generation era documentary? Not full fledged start to finish, but they've tapped into a couple of the guys. Like they did Yokozuna, they did the two dudes with attitudes. You know, they've taught Luger, obviously. They've touched on different members of the new generation, but nothing specific to the actual era. Well, I'm sure that's uh, coming soon, as soon as they start to die. Yeah, well, you know, there's already a couple guys missing uh, from this. Uh, you talk about WWE dying or the guys dying because there's this uh, Royal Rumble featured a lot of uh, past superstars who have left this great earth. You know, th this Royal Rumble was, uh, as I'm sure everybody listening to this knows, I was on day one of the Rad Rumble season in 2022. We did the uh, 2025 Rumble. Uh, this 94 one, I watched it the other night. Oof. See, uh, I got a bone to pick with you already, and not because you were on doing a Rad Rumble thing, but because <laughs> you watched the 94 Rumble and gave me the same reaction in text form. And uh, we're going to get to that because I'm I'm kind of perplexed. I, I thoroughly enjoyed. Now, I, I told you just to go over the Royal Rumble match, not the whole show. Did you watch the full show? Oh, the the whole show I've watched many times as a as a young hairless boy. Okay, but now how about uh, as an older hairless boy? <laughs> oh God, I wish I was hairless. Speaking Thanks, of which, Dave. have you ever watched uh, Ozark? I have not. That, that Jason Bateman, Bateman has an unbelievable head of hair. Yes, he does. He Yet, does if you look at Jason Statham, he went bald when he was like seventeen years old. And they're both the same age. I was not aware of that. <laughs> and uh, I can't notice any uh, gray hair on Jason Bateman at all. And it doesn't seem dyed. Well, Mr. Bateman, blessed with very good genes. If you remember Justine Bateman, you know, the same can be said for her. I don't think she's got a gray hair as well. So uh, the Bateman bloodline... It's doing pretty good, but you want to talk about uh, hair and hair removal, manscaped.com, uh, promo code uh, GMG, I believe. <laughs> yep, I uh, <laughs> speaking of hair, found my first uh, gray pubic hair today. Uh, usually I wouldn't have minded, but it was in the sandwich that I just ordered. <laughs> hey, oh! <laughs> hey, I got no respect at all. <laughs> wow, that was a good one. That could have been a stuttering John special, but you uh, you knocked that one out of the park. So I give you all the credit in the world for that. I'd like to knock stuttering John out in a park. You know, in 1994, stuttering John was probably on the top of the mountain, a part of the Howard Stern universe uh, from the top of the Howard Stern building. 
But on uh, January 22nd, 1994, the WWF was in Providence, Rhode Island at the Dunk, the Dunkin' Donuts Center, uh, which is a minor league basketball and hockey facility in Providence, Rhode Island. But a pretty darn good venue to have a Royal Rumble. I thought the crowd was very good. Now, like I said, I told you to watch the Rumble match, not the show. But I'm still shocked. I'm perplexed by your reaction on the uh, part of this match. Well, tell uh, me. Talk to the me. Problem, <clears throat> the problem with the, the Royal Rumble, and we, we spoke about this, as I'm sure everybody heard on the Rad Rob special, is that because it, it, it's always the winner goes to WrestleMania, that immediately limits it down to who could win. To like is like watching this '94 one is Bart Gunn versus Yokozuna going to headline WrestleMania? Is fucking uh, head shrinker Samu going to go again? You know, it's like it's like well, obviously not this guy, obviously not this person, which is a problem that uh, I have to say I think was solved by the brand split because it at least gave you. Well, it could be at least two people. And uh, I thought that the even looking back at this Royal Rumble, uh, from what I remember and stuff, it was clearly going to be Luger or Hart. Yes. And you had no reason to think that anybody else was, was going to have a chance in it. And like even, when, even the final four, it's kind of like, what the fuck was the selection of one of the four? Yes, and I, uh, we'll get to that, but I, that's exactly what I remember, you know, watching it for the first time in 94 as a 12-year-old, okay? So let's go back and look at it from the 12-year-old perspective first, okay? In that way, anybody could have won it. If you're a, a young kid, you're just a mark watching anybody. You thought the macho man had just as good a shot as anybody else because he was a two-time champ. Now, other guys who were portrayed very strongly in the past got jobbed out very quickly, but... It was pretty clear, like you said, that there were two guys that really could have been. And in those mid-90s rumbles, that's the problem with a lot of the matches is that it's got to be one or two guys. It can't be anybody else. And now this is also coming off the Hogan era where if Hulk Hogan, except for 89, is in the match, he's going to win it, obviously. And 92, but look at what he did. He played into the finish. Yeah, and that's the thing that uh, I think that what really would help the rumble, I think they've done it once with the men since, and I think, oh no, in fact, and the women are doing it again in 2022, where the, the title's on the line in the match, and that's the shit that I find very interesting, okay. uh, you know, because they, I just think that uh, that's, even during the, my press attitude era, a lot of the rumbles, it's like, well, it's obviously going to be Stone Cold Steve Correct. Austin, so it made for very boring rumbles. Yes when he was in them and uh yeah and, and i i do i find this rumble to be quite uh dull and uneventful the 98 rumble is the one that stands out the most there's nobody in the 98 rumble that could have even been in the final conversation yeah. besides austin i watched 99 over the weekend kind of the same thing now it has the bounty it has austin mcmahon but there's nobody else that really is like okay so and so has a shot to go to WrestleMania in 94. That's the mystery is okay. Well, at least there is two possible guys. Maybe the outcome was a little screwy because one guy documented very heavily on the new generation airwaves had a major fall from grace in the eyes oh, yeah. of the guy booking the show. Um, but that's not what I want to talk about first. I want to talk about how this 94 rumble was the platform for one guy in the grand scheme of things, because 1994 would be his year. And that is the, I believe what number for, let me see. He was number seven into the Royal rumble. He would have seven eliminations and I'm going to call this episode diesel's power because this was the night that Kevin Nash's career changed and diesel became a force in the WWF. Uh, have you ever met Kevin Nash? I met Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash worked uh, one of my conventions. Uh, many interactions with the man. He was at a, a meet and greet thing uh, over here that me and a, a friend of mine went to. And the thing that was dumb is we were going like that night with our ladies. And uh, no offense to the bottom rights out there. And we decided, just, hey, we're going to this Kevin Nash thing at uh, four o'clock. And we're meeting the girls at half five. 
I know. Let's start drinking whiskey right now and getting on the you know what. And uh, we were out of it. And I'll send you a photograph of me with Nash uh, after this. And my, let's just say, <laughs> off the top of my head, if you went to school for giants, then you would see giant pupils. <laughs> Ah, that's a that's a get my go classic uh, line right there. That's a that's an all time classic. Uh, Nash is the man. Okay, I'll just say that when you meet him, when you hang out with him, uh, was waiting for him in the hotel lobby in Richmond, Virginia, where uh, he checked in and was not a happy Nash. So I got to see both sides of the coin. I got to see Big Daddy Cool <laughs> lose his cool. Okay. Well, what year was this? This was 2017 or 18. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, this was it. He, the um, Indian fella behind the counter wasn't uh, wasn't winning over the big man with his attitude uh, that night. But the night in 1994 that we're talking about, this is where we saw the attitude of Big Daddy Cool come out because he was a nameless, faceless bodyguard. He really wasn't in much action. If he was, he squashed the jobber. You never really saw him doing much. He had one match at the end of 93 with uh, Razor Ramon on television. But again, it was just as the background guy. It's just the side dude to Shawn Michaels. But here is where the superstardom takes off. What did you think of Diesel? And even not even having Diesel across his tights at this point, just black, plain attire. What did you think of the uh, the early stages of Diesel here? Well, I honestly, uh, I remember really liking him as Vinny Vegas in uh, WCW because we used to get that on free TV over here and I don't understand why that gimmick was so uh, shit on I, I thought it was it was good like it was sort of like Andrew Dice Clay type yeah. oh guy mm-hmm. but uh, yeah but with Diesel I, I thought he was great too because the thing with Kevin Nash is he's got that thing where he's one of the most physically impressive wrestlers ever because he's tall because he's a giant but he's also an incredible shape, and he's a handsome guy, so he actually looks really well, cool, big daddy cool. Mm-hmm. So uh, he was all—he's just one of those guys that I think that well, maybe not underrated because he's had uh, quite a lot of shit and very few moments of great. But uh, I think that he's all always going to be one of my all-time favorites, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's uh, you know. He, he's one of those guys that, like, when you think of what a wrestler should look like, you think of a big, huge dude who could throw people around and be jacked to the gills and the cool goatee at the time. He's exactly what you would think a wrestler would be, so that's not hard to believe at all. And the, the other thing about Diesel particularly, well, Kevin Nash, is that he's also – he was a very 90s guy. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of people, like the Macho Man, were stuck in the, the 80s. But Diesel was very of his time, and he was actually like this cool guy. Yeah, and he looked great, and he looked like someone you didn't want to mess with. So uh, yeah, I was a, a fan, and then the partnership with Shawn Michaels was great too. So he's got seven eliminations in this match, but let's start at the beginning. Uh, first guy in Scott Steiner, second guy in Samu. Two veteran teams in the uh, the WWF, but the Steiners are at the end here. They're they're completely on the way out. Uh, Scott jacked Samu, you know, getting thrown in by Afa by his hair. That had to look on, uh, be a little uncomfortable. Uh, you like Scotty Steiner as a Steiner brother in '94, kicking the rumble off? Uh, I did love the, the Steiners at the time, but rewatching this, you can tell both the Steiners want out of there. Yes, they I do agree. nothing. It's the, they're even by even by 2022 standards, they are moving slow. It's uh, it was a really bad start to the rumble. Yeah, they because uh, uh, Rick is number three. Uh, Quang, the only uh, Puerto Rican uh, kamikaze uh, Chinese, whatever the hell he's supposed to be, ninja, hits the ring at number four, and Quang sprays what looked like to be seven gallons of green mist into the face of Rick Steiner, but. He doesn't do anything. He's never like aggressive about it. And he kind of just gets unceremoniously dumped afterwards. And that's really it for the Steiners after this Royal Rumble. Yeah. Uh, I also have a thing. I don't think the tag team wrestlers should be allowed in Royal Rumbles simply because like it, it sort of gives away the finish, if so to speak. Like we're not 
going like neither the Steiners or fucking Samu were going to headline WrestleMania. <laughs> Ironically, Scott Steiner was supposed to headline Mania three, uh, nine. Right, correct. We talked about that on our WrestleMania nine uh, uh, extravaganza, or excuse me, what was it? Our was it WrestleMania nine? What do we do? Like so matches that were supposed to happen, right? Yeah, the WrestleMania nine. Yes, that uh, was it. That never happened. That never happened. But uh, the the one thing I do have to say about this Rumble that I did love, and I don't think they've done it since, or at least I don't remember them happening, is the pre-Rumble promos. Yes, those are great. Those are really good. And the Diesel one, and he's pointing his fist, and his chest muscles going. And you just think, you could just tell Vince was pinching his helmet. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to make that guy champion by the end of this year. Mark my words. Uh, number five. Now, this I didn't like. And it makes kind of no sense when you think. I remember even then not liking it. Owen Hart's number five, right? Owen Hart just finally turned heel on his brother. Less than an hour before, he's number five in the Rumble, and he's out in like three minutes, just unceremoniously dumped by uh, by Diesel in in the melee. Did you say Owen Hart? Oh, I said Owen Hart. Yeah, but it's true that was something else that I had written down in my notes. I'd also written that uh, this is when Diesel still had Jerry Seinfeld hair. <laughs> yeah, that he had horrible hair. <laughs> well, that's the deal. Yeah, <laughs> that. That was one of those things that I didn't get, that Owen Hart had his big official heel turn earlier that night, and it turns out that he's just a big, he's just a random jobber, and which I find very strange, thinking that he could have easily been in the final four instead yeah. of Fatu. Yeah. Yeah, like, why Owen Hart instead of Fatu? I thought it was very strange. Well, I'll give you a good one for the final four when we get to that part of the uh, of the match. So Owen Hart is a part of the seven guys that Diesel eliminates. But Diesel goes on a streak, and literally he goes through uh, uh, Samu, he goes through Quang, Owen Hart, Bart Gunn, Bob Backlund, Billy Gunn, and then how about the return? And if you blink, you missed it. The huge return of Virgil. Virgil was an alternate for Kamala, who didn't make it into the Rumble, was probably fired for arguing money because he never made any and he was pissed. Virgil fills that spot. Great uh, backstory by Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase on commentary to say, you know, oh, he should have never left working for me. But Virgil was not in the company at this point. He was a guest star. Yeah, lucky us. But, but the thing that also I had to laugh about, this was the NWO Royal Rumble because it had the yes. most NWO members. Yes. Ever, like every, pretty much... Yeah, like Macho Man, Virgil, yeah. you know. Actually, I'll go through it right now. Scott Steiner, okay, Diesel, Virgil, Randy Savage, Crush, technically Jeff Jarrett, uh, Lex Luger, mm. Bret Hart, <laughs> and, Shawn Michaels. And, and well, technically, say if you want to go on paper, technically Shawn Michaels. So that's a lot <laughs> for one. Uh, single match, uh, but we'll go back. Let's go back, 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 up to the top. Um, Macho Man comes in, kind of breaks up the flow. Diesel's just knocking guys out. Diesel's really the first guy in Rumble history to go on that streak of just dumping guys as they come in. Yeah, but the thing is, that's a great way to get somebody new over because like, at the rumor that at the minute, there's this guy in the WWE called Almost... He's a big, giant African-American guy. I don't know why you brought that part up, Chad. Uh, nothing to do with it. I have no problem with tall people. I think all tall people are equal to the rest of us, no matter what how shit their music is. But the thing with Almost is that you could put him in a match and do exactly that. Have him dump out 10, 15 nobodies. Everybody, but he beats the shit out of them as he does it. And then... Uh, he's all of a sudden people are into him, and then, uh, but and they could work with him. They could work with Nash. Right. Uh, I don't know if it's been done in other ones. I'm drawing a blank. But yeah, Nash. Uh, and plus, the thing is, is about Nash. He's got that because of his size, and I don't think he was on the juice. Nash, I don't think he didn't look like he was juicing at all. Yeah, because he's just. Big, yes, yeah, seven feet tall and uh, natural athlete. So yeah, I don't think he was because he wasn't. I mean, he was cut. Like he looked, and he always talks about how they would work out. You know, they would always go do their thing. But no, I don't think he was on the juice. If I'm wrong, I could be stupid, but I didn't think he was. A lot of other guys in the match are. He's not. 
Yeah, and it's not only that he's this big, tall, giant jack guy, but he's different because he's not like the character of fucking Doink or a head shrinker or whatever the fuck Virgil was meant to be. It's just like it's just a big giant fighter. Yeah. Virgil dumped out 32 seconds. Now is that 30 seconds longer than he should have been in the ring? <laughs> should he have even gotten any offense? <laughs> yeah, I, I it probably should have worked Pat Patterson's balls. Maybe we would have got a minute 30. <laughs> I think Pat Patterson would have wanted to work on his balls personally from what the stories have been about uh, Mr. Virgil there, but we can move on from that. Uh, Randy Savage, a whopping four minutes and 38 seconds in this match. Yeah, but at least they, um, they allowed him to have some sort of storyline progress with crush. Right. And beating, beating the odds. He's down three guys against one at one point holding his own, you know, he gets the big pop to come and stop Diesel, which he does. He stops the uh, the consecutive eliminations. But Crush comes out, you know, and he's further in the storyline with uh, Randy Savage. The only thing I didn't like about that interaction, Savage is climbing the top, dropping the axe handle, whatever, and then literally one punch and Crush just throws him over. That's it. Yeah. It's, it's a weird one, but at the same time, when you look at the overall story building – Going into Mania, I guess it makes sense. Sadly, it ended with fucking Crush losing and then doing nothing, but there you go. So Crush then, as Macho Man's being eliminated, sees his old nemesis, Doink the Clown, who comes out with Dink. Now, uh, Crush and Diesel then begin to kind of scuffle a little bit, and Doink is laughing in the corner. Now we see the staples of the Vince McMahon booking, right? The, the little comedy interlude. So Doink... At one point, lures them over to uh, his corner, and what is he? Hand buzzer and uh, shoot water in there. Yeah, eyes. he shoots the water into <laughs> Diesel's face. Uh, that's that's we have to laugh at critics. The people go out oh, today stuff. It's always full of dumb comedy shit. It's always been full of dumb comedy shit. Yes, guys might have been a little bit different, maybe in their training, but it's always been the same. Uh, comedy that's you know, that's the undertone of the Vince McMahon show. Uh, doink a minute and 48 seconds. Um, dumped as Bam Bam Bigelow, who again has a history with Doink, uh, comes in now. Bam Bam is the guy that I don't get why Bam Bam didn't make it into the final four. He He's in there at the end, I think he's like in the final six. But Bam Bam, this probably could have been a good launching point for him because a year later he'd be main eventing technically WrestleMania. That's right. Yeah, he's he's one of those guys that uh, you always think, "What if there, man? He was a hell of a worker there, man. Could have been something else." Yeah, but that's that's the the whole thing about this rumble is it? I would have put all the jobbers out at the start, like fucking Bart Gunn and all the tag teams. <laughs> Let Diesel run through them, and save people like the Macho Man and Bam Bam for the end. Yes. So that that's full of people. It's like who conceivably could possibly win, and yeah. and that was that was something I watched a lot. And also, I know it sounds silly, but what's the qualification progress process? Because like Bob Holly was in it. <laughs> Thurman Sparky plug. Thank you very oh, much. Yeah, Thurman. What what I loved about that was his entrance, and this made me laugh my arse off. He runs out to do high fives with. The kids, and nobody puts their hands out, and uh, so he he's basically runs with his hands out to high five the kids, and there's nothing, no reaction to him. Silence. Sidebar about that: a lot of guys do slap hands as they're coming out to the ring. Still, did you do you think that's something that's missing? Do you like that when you look back at these shows that these guys still took the time to slap the hands of the kids? I think even Brett, as he hobbled his way down, might have tapped a couple of fists as he was walking. Uh, sometimes it, it depends, but at the same time, you, you know, if, if we're talking about being because of because wrestling is real, obviously, obviously, I, I, I think that it, uh, I don't know. Who cares? Put yourself, you're 12, you're on the aisle. Bob Holly, excuse me, Thurman Sparky Plug comes out. I'm gonna say you're gonna stick that arm out and you're gonna hey, you're gonna wait for that high five, that oven mitt to hit you as he's uh, he's heading to the ring. Suppose that, that that would be the only good thing about having those tickets, because the view of the match would be shit. But you do get yes. the high five. Yes. Oh. You have to stand on your chair for that. Now this is where I felt the match 
really hit the skids. And where your reaction is, uh, like it wasn't good. From about Bam Bam, Bam Bam's 15. From like 15 to 23, when Luger comes in, takes freaking forever. And I don't know if they messed up the clock. I don't know if it was just that there wasn't that much action and they let the ring kind of fill up. But I thought this is where I just like, whoop, this is where I zoned out. Yeah, but that was the other thing as well, is it because it was a, the 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 era where everyone was getting drug tested and very strict on it. It was a bunch of people who don't look impressive. Like, what's the guy, Tenru Kabuki? Yes, we're getting to he them. Just yeah. looked, he just looked like some fucking Mark convention guy coming into the <laughs> ring. He looked like shit, and he was he was part of this, the faction of the Mister Fuji group I was watching. It was. Him and another Asian guy and Crush were all supposed to be this team to stop Lex Luger. Yes. They were like mercenaries. They were uh, kamikaze uh, mercenaries. Um, we'll get to them in a second because I want to hit on them. Um, I'm sure but you Shawn, Shawn, More than you know. Uh, Shawn Michaels also hits the ring in the middle of this kind of boar fest. They tease a little thing with Diesel, you know, that he's going to eliminate him, but he ultimately doesn't. Um, but, you know, that was the first crack we saw in the foundation. It's every man for himself. What do you think? You think they should have done a shocking elimination at that point? Just make Diesel look better? Or Shawn Michaels look like the dick heel? Uh, I would have had them team up. Okay. And to do a little bit more, to really like establish them as the, uh, as the duo. But then I would have done the same elimination type thing where Diesel's on the ropes and Shawn helps get him out. Because... Uh, because wrestling's real, we all know it's real. Why would you throw out someone who's on your side who's that big? Right. So Sean should have used Diesel to his advantage, and well, then turned on him. Right. Well, instead he was, you know, he did the the dick heel like the last little push to get Diesel out of the match. Bam Bam Crush Mabel Sparky Plug and Shawn Michaels get the credit for the elimination of Diesel after 17 minutes and 40 seconds. Yeah. The Big vis or Mabel, the human Easter egg. I tell you, wasn't he was the first guy in? The, he actually got a big pop. He did when he walked in because he was this giant guy who was coming into the ring against Diesel, Bam Bam, and Crush. Mm-hmm. And realistically, at his size, he looked like he could uh, hold his own. Yes, he could, but he really didn't do much in the match. Uh, takes more guys. It's Bam Bam Crush. The Great Kabuki, Greg the Hammer Valentine, Shawn Michaels, your boy Tatanka, and Sparky Plug to throw out Mabel. So Sparky Plug's in the middle of some of these uh, big eliminations. He's in, actually, he was also in the group that eliminated Crush. <laughs> of course. Like, uh, why Why would... Uh, but this is the other thing uh, I also pointed out, is that there was a lot of new heels, uh, sort of new stars, just getting dumped out unprotected. Yeah. Like Macho Man should have ran out and attacked Crush again. And uh, I don't mean to be a wrestler on the Taku, but it's just these baffling little mistakes or errors in Royal Rumbles that just make you think you could have done this to help further along the series. And, you know. Yeah, but we could say this because, you know, we were there. We experienced this as like, uh, you know, when it happened. So we're, we're just playing. We're not experts. We're just playing uh, the old hindsight game here. Uh, all right. The, so Greg the Hammer Valentine and my man Rick Martell pop in into this Rumble. Now, both of them have Royal Rumble uh, Iron Man like histories. They both held records at one point for their time in the Rumbles. Uh, Valentine starting to hit like the independent scene, getting a little bit out of shape. Valentine Martel, t- t- the perfect model that he always was. Yeah, but the ironic thing is that uh, with Martel, uh, and this was something that I I really took note of in my well in my notes, he did nothing in this match. He he was there. He didn't do any high spots. He just th- he didn't even try to eliminate people. He just came in and. I don't know if he was injured, but he just he just threw a couple of punches, stood in the corner, and waited to be thrown out. And I thought that was uh, quite noticeable. Now you said Valentine or Martel? Uh, Martel. So Martel lasts twenty minutes. Okay, again, this is where I said it. This hits this like malaise in the middle of this match where it feels like nothing happens. 
he technically is the one who gets credit for throwing out Greg Valentine. Possibly. I didn't even see it. I don't even remember it. And I, I just watched it about 45 minutes before we started. So, you know, I mean, that's how much they picked it up on the camera. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, even they forgot they were in the match. <laughs> now, Tatanka, okay, in this match, Tatanka is on the fall from grace a little bit. Uh, 94, we know, be a huge year for Tatanka towards the middle part. Did you catch the first interaction between Lex Luger and Tatanka in this match. Well, obviously they were best friends, but they had a melee in the middle. They had a, 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 a single, you know, square off in the middle of the ring, and they uh, they started exchanging blows. And Vince was like, "Look at this! You can't believe it! Anything can happen in the Royal Rumble." Well, uh, hope we'll have to stay tuned to find out what happens next because you know what I think probably happened. I think maybe Lex Luger was secretly working for the Million Dollar Man. Something just tells me that, and I'm pretty sure Tatanka, who I will say again, I always thought that Conan was Tatanka. Uh, I th- and I think that Tatanka slash Conan will expose Lex Luger for being a heel. Conan did have a pretty damn good head of hair at one point, so I mean, I could see the confusion. So it's uh, you, you're within your rights. That's something I'd always love to know that the fact that this guy back in the Mexico days had, as you mentioned, like this unbelievable long hair with the braids and on the all the multicolored shit to WCW's shaved head bald. And I was, I'd always love to know what's what does that feel like to have such unique hair to then lose it all. And I think actually the, the shaved head look was better. Oh, he's one of those guys that could pull it off uh, either way. Go ask Shawn Michaels what he thinks. Go oh ask Shane God. Douglas what he thinks of Shawn Michaels bald, and then, uh, then you'll get your answer. <laughs> Shawn Michaels used to be a handsome guy. Tonight he looks like the neighbor from Home Improvement. <laughs> Wilson. <laughs> yeah, but the, I think Conan's a handsome chap. He's a nice face, great smile, lovely teeth. Conan is, uh, is the man, although I get kazooed. I get hooed. I get everything because I get lumped in with the get my go guys. Uh, but I'd like a chance to redeem myself at some point. So, well, there's going to be uh, apparently at the time of recording this, the plan is on Saturday before the Royal Rumble, there's to be a, a YouTube live stream mm. of uh, the Keep No 100 chaps. So, get in the comments and uh, ask for your uh, apology. <laughs> I will uh, think about it. Okay. How about this? The great Kabuki. Not a fan on the uh, Husey scale, huh? Not the, the Kabuki. Now, if I had John Paz here, he would tell us everything we needed to know about the great Kabuki's past and his history in Texas and working with Gary Hart and then being this Japanese mercenary. But uh, he does nothing. He is thrown out in two minutes by Lex Luger, who was supposedly dead in backstage, but comes out right after him and throws him out. Yeah, by the way, about that, the uh, that attack, it's hilarious because one of the uh, guys, the, the, the bigger uh, mercenaries, we should call them, was laughing his arse off. <laughs> and at one point, he uh, attack. you could see during the beatdown, he attacks Lex Luger with a paper bag. And then he picks up a, a broom and he smacks it off the locker. And you could see him visibly laughing. Yeah, I was thinking, realize how stupid this was, and the fact that <laughs> the great Kabuki could be hired to go after Nash, uh, Luger, despite the fact that Luger was like a hundred pounds, solid muscle, bigger than him. <laughs> and I think Kabuki was old. I think Kabuki was in his fifties. Like he was an older guy at that point. K- Kabuki looked like somebody that Jean Claude Van Damme would beat up in a bar in a kickboxer film. <laughs> The Great Kabuki made his debut on October 31st, 1964. <laughs> that's great. He was like a senior citizen. That's, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, and the fact that like, he was, he was face painted, they could have got somebody else to do it. They could have, they could have anybody be the Great Kabuki that night. Why not call up Jeff Gaylord? <laughs> 
he would have fit in very well. Uh, I'm sure he would have been yeah. in the uh, he would have been in the Patterson club with Virgil that night. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, uh, Luger somehow eliminates six guys. Uh, again, in there for 20 minutes, he came in at 23. Just it goes to show you how long this match really was. Uh, Tenru, the other hired mercenary who Hughes, he's got a huge beef with, uh, comes out after him, but seemingly doesn't even go after him to, to start his little run in the Rumble. He like ignores him and does his own thing. And I think, I got to be honest with you too, if you look at the end of the, the match when it gets down to the, uh, the the final couple of guys, I think Tenru was supposed to be out before, and I think he stayed, and they just didn't know how to get him out of the match because his elimination is very unceremonious. Yeah, it, he he didn't give a fuck about WWE. He was just there for the, for the money and the after party, I assume. That was really bad. Now, do you remember Tenru was at WrestleMania 7? Uh, wrestling the uh, the Legion of Doom? No, Demolition. It was him and Katow. Forget the guy's first name. Tenru and Katow beat Crush and Smash Demolition in about two minutes at, uh, in, in basically the end of Demolition at WrestleMania. You know, uh, I haven't actually watched WrestleMania 7 since I was a kid, but I remember renting the VHS out. And the matches were so short that I thought there was something wrong with the machine. Yes, no, because they seven is the most. It's the the the, I think it's like fourteen matches or something. Well, excuse me, up to you know the last couple of years where it's fourteen hour uh, two day shows. But yeah, it was like fourteen matches or something on WrestleMania seven. Yeah, I remember the uh, the Mighty beat uh, Tito Santana in like fucking twenty seconds. Yeah. That's no, crazy. Anyway, All right. Has, now, has they ever explained why that was? I think they're just trying to squeeze everybody in as much as they could. You know, why Why else? It was the nine, early 90s. It was still the, uh, the greatest uh, generation era. So they could do whatever they wanted. Uh, now, how about this? This is a staple of the Vince McMahon Royal Rumble. One blank spot where nobody comes out. Hit that. What's the point? Yeah. <laughs> what is the freaking point? It's so stupid. It really is stupid. It could have been, I don't know, Razor Ramon could have come out, tried to get Shawn Michaels or something, but I I, I hated that. I don't know if they still do that. Well, no, they don't still do that. They've but. done it up to, you know, those mid-2000s and early 2010 rumbles. There was always, oh, so-and-so got beat up, or oh, so-and-so's not going to make it. and all that. So there's always that one spot. I, I hate that. It's such a waste of time, but... Uh, of course, I think they've done it as a... See, the problem with, with spots like that is they're done specifically for the viewer at home. Right. So the commentary can can, can say, what was supposed to be? Uh, Bret Hart! Bret Hart is out of the Rumble! So the viewer thinks, oh no, he's, he's gone. Little did we know that up next. Two. He was two away. Bret was two. Oh, there you so go. 25 was supposed to be Bastion Booger. Oh, who then retired from wrestling to start up the Rad Turtles podcast network. Hello. <laughs> so Bret Hart would be number 27. Rick Martell was number 26. Okay. Your boy Fatu is number 28. See, that's the shit that annoys me because as good as Fat Two is, and you can tell that Vince thought he was great wrestler for the fact that he was put into the final four, but at the same time, but he's in the fucking head shrinkers, right? Uh, so, and uh, despite the fact that his balls were containing two of my current favorites, uh, <laughs> yeah, you just think, <laughs> yeah, it's just you just think like, don't do that shit, like. It's a waste of a good spot. Yeah, and it's funny because I know Bret Hart liked working with Fatu. Bret Hart's the one who eliminates Fatu, technically. So I wonder if Bret like, lobbied to have a guy he would do some cool stuff with at the end. And that's why Fatu was there. But again, why wasn't it Bam Bam Bigelow who lasted? Let's see, how long Bam Bam was in here? Bam Bam was in for 30 freaking minutes. He couldn't hold on for two more to put him in the final four? Yeah, and the other thing is that it was earlier this night during the Yokozuna Undertaker match, there was what 10 heels ran out to attack Undertaker. Yes. And 
the 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 attack was never explained or followed up on. So why that would have been, of course, it's just hindsight booking. The perfect chance to set up a new heel faction of of mega heels who could have, and then the the, the final two, Brett and Luger, could have taken on all ten heels and yeah. eliminated them all that shit. I don't know. It was uh, Bam Bam, Kabuki, Crush, Tenru, Jeff Jarrett. I think Diesel was out there as well. Adam Bomb and the Head Shrinkers. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Those are the guys that came out to help Yokozuna. Uh, ironically, for any uh, marks that love the insider stuff, apparently there's a spot in there where Yoko and the Head Shrinkers uh, went uh, off script and broke character during the beatdown. Yeah, did some sort of family shit. I don't know. Yes, they do the ble- they do the blessing that the head shrinkers used to do in the corner. Yeah, pretty good Big stuff. Fat arses on them. What a what a uh, what an inside thing to notice. Look at you. Oh yeah. Uh, Twenty nine was my favorite spot in the Rumble match. They did this a few times. Anytime Marty Jannetty would hit the ring and Shawn Michaels is in there, the, everything stopped and they met in the middle. That, to me, was my favorite part of the entire match. That was good, and they, they actually did some pretty good stuff in the ring. But the thing that's so frustrating about that is, Marty, is that when the Rockers broke up, we never got that big blow-off storyline. And they were supposed to wrestle at WrestleMania 8, and then it was to try it again for, for Mania 9. And... Janetti fucked it up both times. And it really is a shame because it's like the big pay-per-view classic that we never officially got. Right. And it, it would have been great. And you see it in this match, uh, even though it's short. It's like those two just had this incredible fucking chemistry. And it it uh, it's the great feud we never got. And I was watching <laughs> at one point too. So whenever there was those break-offs of like guys going into a corner or something – Michael's always made his way over to Janetti and they always kind of went off to the side because, you know, they probably felt that each other could watch what was going on, you know, maybe catch the cues and see what they needed to. And this is where I noticed that Tenru hung around a little bit longer than I think he was supposed to. And it ended up being Brett and Luger that dumped out Tenru. What did Brett have to do with it? And he's in there getting rid of him. And it was such an awkward toss over, but there's one point where um, uh, in the spot where Janetti hits the ring they're, they're trading punches. They kind of have like a shoving thing. And it looks like it's supposed to be uh, Michaels goes for the super kick. Janetti ducks, turns around, hits Shawn Michaels with the super kick. Well, in the middle of this, Tenru walks right into it and hits Janetti. And they got to go and do it all again. So it's just kind of funny. He definitely hung around a lot longer than he was supposed to. You know, it would have been a cool spot, though, that if, if the Rockers temporarily yes, I reunited agree. and did a lot of the famous like double drop kicks and, and the double fist drops that shit and then Michaels super kicks him and throws him out of the ring. Yeah. That's something that would have happened in 10 years. That's something they would have thought of years down the road. Here in the original Patterson Vince thinking of how they book these matches, they weren't going to do something like that. Mm. Um number 30 was given away, I believe if you had the 900 Number the WWF superstar number Adam Bomb. See the thing about Adam Bomb that I don't get is you always hear about Vince. People go, "Oh, Vince loves the big guys." Why the fuck was Adam Bomb not a bigger deal for the WWE? He's this big, giant muscle muscle guy, really strong, good looking, had this really cool look. Uh, he's one of those guys that I've thought, "Oh, well, he's obviously going to be." like one of the, the, the next stars and just completely uh, done nothing with him. He gets a good little ooh when he comes through the curtain. That That's because of he looks like trouble. Like, And that's why I always thought that that would be someone that Vince would think, he's going to be one of our future champions. That's right. Uh, especially with all the merch shit. And you see the way he walks and carries himself and you just think this guy is a, a future star. And sadly, a lot, it never happened. The click, he's another victim of the click. He didn't like them, they didn't like him. And that was uh, that was the end. He turned a baby face. He's a very nice guy. I've talked to Brian Clark a bunch of times. He's a very, very nice guy, but he got the shaft uh, in 94 and only lasted four minutes and 55 seconds, eliminating nobody. 
Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense, especially because uh, that's what I'd love to know. Was his heat already there? Had to be. Yeah, because <clears throat> even for... But you know the one thing I did notice about... And this when Brad Hart came in, uh, he pretty much did the whole match lying on the floor. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's like, I get that it's kayfabe. But how cause how was he not then just picked up and dumped? Like how was he able to last it uh, whatever? Because he's the excellence of execution. That's why, and he knows how to survive. Now, both Lex Luger and Bret Hart had essentially the same narrative. Are they gonna make it into the match? They both make it into the match. Luger's unscathed. Luger was not affected by the trash bag uh broom beatdown. He just came through and basically didn't tell a thing. <laughs> Brett limped all the way to the ring was limping in the finish as they were celebrating and shaking hands. I mean, he's still limping, uh, method acting at its best. But, um, I mean, you know, what are you going to do? That was that was a Bret Hart story. Bret Hart had to sell the, the leg and let you know that Owen kicked his leg out of his leg. You, you know, I have to, that's one of my least favorite things in wrestling is when wrestlers have to sell the big injury because they're shit at it. <laughs> uh, like, Bret Hart's oh, trying to limp – that whole length of the ring thing. It's like, but that's okay if you're walking up steps, but you're walking the whole way down the aisle and high-fiving fans. <laughs> then you climbed up and got into the ring. And it's, it reminds me of, this is a going off topic, it, the Over the Edge 99, which apparently is an event that Bret Hart doesn't like. <laughs> I don't see him watching that one every week. <laughs> yeah, uh, but there was a match where it was Triple H versus The Rock. And The Rock was apparently going into the ring with a broken arm. And in the match, Triple H takes The Rock's cast off. And The Rock's trying to sell that he has a broken arm. And it's it's so badly done, even by The Rock. And they're doing the people's elbows still, despite having a broken... It was fucking shit. And I hate that. And I thought that Brett's leg injury thing was stupid. Uh, whatever. You could have used anybody, but you used a guy who's the biggest Hollywood action star in the history of probably Hollywood and action movies monetarily. So good, good pick. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, there's a rumor going around that he's replacing John Cena in the Duke Nukem film, and I just think, oh god, is that the one that they're rumoring? They're saying he's. I saw the tweet that he's. Uh, there's another legendary uh, movie or uh, video game character being adapted to a movie. Is it Duke Nukem? The rumors I'm hearing are Duke Nukem, uh, Metal Gear Solid, and GTA. Interesting. I mean, what, does this guy need any more money? Come on. That's that's the, on. the thing that's, that's made me not interested because it's like, well, maybe if he, if they go R-rated, I'll watch it. But if not, it's like, he's like, I love The Rock, but his films are fucking shit. Yeah. I can't tell you the last time I saw a Rock movie and enjoyed it. Um, all right. So the co-winners, we know the ending. Bret Hart and uh, and Lex Luger, they fall after they... I do like the eliminations of Fatu and Shawn Michaels where they do a do si -do and Bret is in the corner with Shawn Michaels and Luger's in the corner with Fatu and they reverse it and they both dump each guy out on the other side. Yeah, that, that was really good, but I just don't like the fact that it was Fatu in the final four. So like, give me somebody else to put in there. Besides Bam Bam, take him out. Uh, I need to see... I would say, um, like, what if they'd have kept it to Diesel and Shawn Michaels in the end? Not bad. D Could have worked. Diesel's or going Adam, 50 minutes. Yeah, or Adam Bomb or Crush or Macho Man or something. I think Crush would have worked pretty good, especially if they were building him up for the big Macho Man feud. Yeah, but that's why I just think a lot of this... And it happens to, today at the Royal Rumble where, like, you, you go on thing, they'd be like, Muhammad Ali going, I'm going to win the Royal Rumble. It's like, no, you're not. You're a dwarf. It's... Although, I, I have to admit, from watching the shit, I have no idea what's going to happen at the Royal Rumble. I, I actually have to say, this is the first year in many years where I do want to watch just because I haven't watched the Royal Rumble live probably since 2015 or 2016. So I'm actually like kind of hoping to sit down and watch it this year just because I do like the surprise element. I like the, you know, when the music hits, I like the, the production. Uh, I will not watch the ladies Royal rumble. Cause I could literally give two, you know, what's so I uh, will skip that one. 
Well, you can't say you know what's anymore because <laughs> when I get my goal world, that means something else. So. Wait, I want to point out one thing. So that guy, Ali, right, the guy who publicly wanted to uh, be fired by WWE or released, who would you say he is on this roster? Because that's like if Mo or like, you know, I'm trying to look at somebody else here really quick. You know, uh, Bastion Booger went to Vince. He's like, I demand my release. Vince being like, ah, go get out of here. <laughs> he's he's not even the great Kabuki. He's just the Kabuki. <laughs> or Bart Gunn at that point in 94 is like, I'm not being used right. I want to be released from my contract. Yeah, it's, see you later then. Go have fun. You see, can you see Twitter going nuts that, you know, uh, Sir Mo requested his release in the manner that they went nuts for Ali and this guy who's literally like two feet tall? <laughs> like I still on. say bring Mo back for a final run with a real estate agent gimmick and call him home Mo. I would have to say right now, we have to send our thoughts and prayers to Mo because he's apparently not doing very well. So the great Bobby Horn uh, kick out it at two and a half because uh, I hear he's not doing well. Honk, honk. <laughs> so what do you say? They, they come out, Jack Tunney's there. They decide who's going to uh, win. I love when they play Luger's music and Luger celebrates and then Brett's all mad and throwing his arms up. And then they reverse it and Brett's music plays and Brett gets in the ring and he's celebrating for then Jack Tunney to say, nope, two winners, the WrestleMania music plays and they got to shake hands. Uh, i tell you one thing and I, I may be wrong, but I think this was the first example of WWE doing a pay-per-view finish that was to then draw you in to Raw. Yeah. To find out, you know, the explanation to the finish. Yes. Uh, unless I'm wrong. I thought that was really good. Uh, I, I love the fact that... Um, but by the way, I, I genuinely don't know. The scene when Hulk Hogan won the title at Mania 9. Mm -hmm. Did he then appear on Raw? So if you go back to that, I don't believe he's on Raw the next night. He went off to film Thunder in Paradise. So what they, what I remember, I'd have to watch this clearly again. I think the following Saturday on Superstars, there was a Hulk Hogan on the set of Thunder in Paradise with the championship. That's where I think you got your first glimpse of Hogan as the champ. But but did he appear on Raw again? as champion? I don't think he appeared. He may have done an interview. May have done an interview. I don't even think he did. He may not have been on Raw after that first promo at the Manhattan Center uh, in a live capacity. Maybe that's, he was for the house, but I don't know if he was. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and check that. On the, Great, that's on a good question. That's a question for the Hogan era podcast. <laughs> yeah, because back then, the Navy pay-per-views was every three months or something. Basically. So WrestleMania was March, April. King of the Ring came out in 93 as a, as a yearly pay-per-view in June. So that was the first time we got a break between March and August. So that I'm going to, yeah, because I don't remember seeing any footage of Hogan and Yoko to build up that no. storyline. Oh, no, he attacked them. Oh, no, that was Brad Hart. Yeah, no, I can't think Brad. of anything. That's why in the, the grand scheme of things that the Hogan appearance on Monday Night Raw for the first time is such a big deal because he essentially was never on the show until the NWO came back in 2002. Which I'm a member of. You're welcome. That's but yeah, the greatest. The, uh, the one complaint, I thought that uh, Hard Finkel with his, with his whole thing, are you sure? <laughs> Am I supposed to say this? Uh, and I thought that and it, that went on way too much. That was long, but it was also, that's a tactic that they were using. Because what Howard did was, and it was, I loved it. And I, that was, I honestly say that was one of my favorite parts of the match. When he, before he questioned it, and he did. And the winner of the 1994 WWF Royal Rumble is, and then he stopped. And he questioned it. And then he came back and he did the whole thing. That's genius because they're building the suspense. That That's definitely a Vince directive right there. Who is Jack Tunney in real life? Was he uh, was he a type of executive? I mean, was he somebody famous in the industry? So Jack Tunney is a part of the famous Tunney family of Toronto. They were promoters in the Maple Leaf Gardens in the uh, the Toronto area, it was uh, his father, Frank Tunney, that was the main promoter. Jack worked for Frank. 
Jack became close with Vince and he became in the inner circle and became the kayfabe president of the WWF. Well, uh, there you go. But I want to uh, I want to come back on to do Hulk Hogan's 93. Yeah, absolutely. Haven't done it in full uh, like grandiose fashion. So we will can absolutely do that there we uh, go. at some point. All right. So uh, I say this was the uh, launching pad for Diesel. What is your biggest takeaway of this Rumble match? Uh, I thought it was really badly laid out. I liked the ending, and I liked the way that it's, and I liked the fact that it showed you how quickly someone can go from a nobody to a star. Yeah. Uh, it, it's then again the the thing that's with Nash or with Diesel that they didn't really do anything with him until the summer, but then it, after that it was just off we go and. He looked cool and he had new ring gear and he beat Razor Ramon and they, they had some really good matches. And the thing that, that was great about that is because when you get somebody the size of Nash who's having great matches with Razor Ramon, you think, holy shit. And it's a shame that when Nash became champion, they changed Diesel. Because if they'd yeah. have kept him to that sort of super killer gimmick, uh, I think it would have been a different uh, new generation era. Yeah, no, it's a good point. He could have been a little more edgy without them even uh, trying because he could have just stayed the same instead of smiles and high fives and black gloves and all that good but stuff. But I will, I will say, though, that Diesel, uh, the, not, the Luger versus Brad Hart should have made a event at WrestleMania. They oh, yeah, have... yeah, absolutely. Instead of the the Brett Yoko. Yeah, because instead of at WrestleMania 12, we get two... Uh, main events, uh, sorry, two rematches, and Yokozuna was in that stage where he'd been so heavy for so long that it, it had actually started to now affect his performance. Yeah, but yeah. It, it, um, uh, but ironically, uh, we mentioned this before at WrestleMania 9 at a press conference, there was an angle done to set up a Brett versus Luger feud, which didn't happen uh, ever in WWE. Until 1998 in WCW, right? And Brett and Luger had some great matches all on TV, yeah. And it again, it was like this history that was just like, oh, they get it in WCW now because they have so many guys that they can just throw two huge parts of the WWF machine in the ring on random thunder and be you got your Bret Hart Lex Luger match that you never had, in yeah. Greatest, greatest era ever, loved it. Because it was it was the new power gen I keep calling it new power generation because I'm a Prince fan, but it was the new generation with uh, a little bit of a more edgier attitude, right. and it just showed you that that batch of wrestlers and that era had the greatest of all time. Just maybe the presentation around it, not so much. Well, speaking of the greatest of all time, uh, you have introduced me to the world of who are these podcasts and. Uh, I have to say it's my ignorance uh, because I was a little skewed due to the hate on a certain broadcast legend that is my inspiration for uh, pursuing this industry. Um, so I'm late to the party, but I have to thank you publicly for it because this is basically like the conversations you and I would have off air or anybody else that I know that talks to me. This is what it sounds like to have a conversation recorded is listening to who are these podcasts. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, I think it's the same with, of course, the great Dean, uh, uh, that Aussie guy. I yeah. can't remember his surname, Galloway, isn't it? Yeah, it's, that would be him. Yeah. He, he, he uh, is exactly like us. He's a big fan of that era. And to then hear this show, which does exactly the type of content we want to hear, and I could, and I think that as of right now, the plan is for me to make my return this week. So uh, hopefully, yeah. Artie Lang will come to get you. <laughs> See, I haven't listened to your other episode except for a couple clips when it aired and whatever you sent me. So I'm kind of just like picking as I go along to get used to the rhythm before I get to hear my my buddy, my boy on there. So uh, I, I'm on my way to listen to your full episode. But uh, I have to give you the credit for that because that's uh, that's been a lot of fun and taking the the bulk of my day up as I sit and work. So that's uh, that's very good. But you and I also sat down last week as we're recording this to uh, to do an Anthony Cumia episode of your podcast. It's Usy Hello. So uh, give us the rundown. What's going on in the It's Usy Hello world? 
Yes, well, uh, since recording that episode, uh, early January, I sent out a bunch of interview requests. I get three yeses. Uh, so the Anthony Kumi episode may get held off. It's fine. For like an in case of emergency. It's fine. So uh, at the time of recording this most recent episode, we had the great Vince Russo on. If you're a pro wrestling fan, we do a lot of that sort of talk. We also did the top five of Journey, uh, made fun of Jenny Jameson, spoke <laughs> about really offensive uh, STD comments about Paige, really crossed the line. And I don't care whose feelings get hurt. It's funny. Uh, of course, if you want to see the video version, check it out on Huge Entertainment on YouTube. I just got my first T-shirt out uh, on Pro Wrestling Tees. It's uh, it's a uh, it says "Who the fuck is Husey?" It's get it for your St. Patrick's Day drinking session. It's green. A fuck is an Irish word for uh, cunt flaps. And it's a perfect gift. And also, pro wrestling fans, check out Keep Me 100 Official on YouTube, which is had a has had a really good rise in re, uh, viewing figures. We're up to twenty two million seven hundred thousand wow. views. Yeah, that's the thing. Joe will met Joe will mention the view count on the show. He just keeps talking about the subscriber count, which I don't get because it dropped by two thousand numbers. So why not promote? The big number instead of the one that dropped. Like in my opinion, over twenty-two million is higher than thirty-six thousand. Yes, I have a question about your view count. Okay, which I—I I mean, I don't question it at all. I think you guys are great. I—I watch videos, but now if I punch out of a video when it's a certain guy speaking who has no brain and it literally looks like he has to think about every word that comes out of his mouth, does it register the view if I punch out in about 0.8 seconds? And uh, no, I apologize then in advance because there's yeah. been a lot of those, unfortunately, unless it says it in the title and I purposely don't click on it. I've been surprised by a certain guy with no brain and long hair. Yeah, the, the, the problem with that is I've been told that I can, I'm not allowed to edit any content, just bleep out the swearing. And it, 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 the thing that frustrates me is I'm getting along with Billy and Cav at the minute, but they're, content fucks up the algorithm of the channel every single time because the I, I can even show you the, the graphs where the views go like this 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 from monday to thursday and then and then it slowly he rises up again and it's like there's, there's a message there conan joe and disco it should be those three and that's what i like to listen to joe is one of those only voices that i'll let pepper himself in amongst the 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 talking heads that i like to hear uh and it's a shame when i click on a link and i go oh god damn it and i gotta punch out i'm actually interested to know what's going to happen with keeping 100 if now that we're coming out of the pandemic because disco has spoken about that fucking virus more than the who doctors <laughs> So now, wait, I do like the timeout. I have to say, just before you get to that, about your—I mean, I just remember what I wanted to say before about your bleeping genius. I laughed my ass off that there was like four in a row on this last one with Nick Aldis with the the clucking of the chicken, the cuckoo, and all the little noises. Uh, I was dying laughing. <laughs> yeah, the, the the problem with that sort of shit is is that uh, I don't know if it's the influence of Conan, but when people come on the show, they really swear. And it's, it's, but if I could recommend one, go check them. Go check out Conan Disco talking about Ric Flair's Dark Side of the Ring. The it's quite a controversial topic, but I, I put in these cartoonish sound effects to get around it, and it's really dark and it's kind of an edgy subject. But it's always funny to make penis boing sounds. And uh, let's hear your social media. Uh, at the Husey on Instagram, at the Husey on Twitter, the the my Twitter it's driving me nuts. It's been growing by uh, a couple of subscribers or followers per day, while my Instagram is dropping daily. And I just want people to go over there. I want to be like that. I agree. It's very odd. Uh, the, all the stuff I put on Instagram, I'll go on and I'll drop two two or three followers. And then I'll get them back and I'll go up like four and then I drop down like six. 
Twitter, it's always like, it's the same thing. It's just, it's steady. It's just, it's always there. You get the same people responding, but I want people to go to Instagram. That's where the better content is. I feel like. Yeah. The thing is Twitter is good and all, but Instagram helps because it's more uh, modern. So yeah. if you want to support us, just go subscribe. You don't have to like our content. Just subscribe to us on uh, Instagram and mute us if possible. That's a classic move. I do that a lot. Uh, if you want to follow me, it's at Chad EMB on Twitter. On Instagram, it's at IB Exclusives. Uh, my website's IBExclusives.com. That's where all my private signings, all my great celebrity events are. The great William Shatner, Broken on Your Airwaves, uh, uh, when we recorded. Uh, that's in March. And all the wrestling ones and sports, baseball, and everything in between. This website's TMPT Empire and all of our podcasts franchise shane douglas all the great interviews that john does and so on and so forth and also me and the queen of extreme francine on patreon patreon.com slash francine podcast also added another show to the creative control network called flashback Husey, where we bring out some of the old patreon content that you don't hear the watch alongs the games the quizzes all that cool stuff so uh, a lot of that shit you should start a youtube channel because that whole thing about France, uh, Scott Hall and ECW, I, I didn't know any of that. Which I thought that was fascinating. Yes, I agree. And if I had somebody who could do what you do in, in my world, it would be uh, my life would be a lot easier. And I'd probably <laughs> be a lot more famous if that was the case. But um, one more thing is, if anybody heard it last week, it was Coliseum Chad, the new Coliseum Video podcast looking back at the history of Coliseum Video. Uh, it's only once a month. So we're back into the new generation rotation for three weeks and i'm currently working on the guest that's coming on for next month's show and it's going to be awesome is all i will say i'm i'm very much looking forward to it i never announce stuff that's not going to happen so i won't say it now but if, if if it all goes to plan it's going to be a great uh episode did you have coliseum video in ireland before we say goodbye yeah, uh, yes right? yes and a was a huge fan of it I it didn't even realize that a lot of it's up on the network, so that's that's yeah. my next binge tastical uh, uh, binge. Yes, and then we'll talk about uh, Irish, UK, Europe releases at some point with you on those airwaves. You know, you guys had Hasbro's at one point. I'm just happy you guys had Coliseum videos at some uh, some point in time. Yes, and if I could give one note on the Coliseum video podcast, that thing tune. Intro was so good, but I want to hear the whole thing. Oh, you didn't like my edit? <laughs> you didn't like the uh, the the edit I did? Emerson <laughs> uh, Retro has to be in full. I was furious, dude. It's like two and a half minutes, so I was like, "All right, I'm gonna be cutesy and I'm gonna have the big build up and then the end." But maybe I'll extend it a few. <laughs> Don't you ever? I remember seeing that as a kid uh, for the first time, and the footage of it was Kamala and Andre yeah, the Giant and Andre, yeah, and the fighting in the cage, oh. and it was backlit, yeah. Yeah. and you just, you just like, right, I am a mark for life. That that looks so cool. That end with Hogan going, Whoa! and yeah. you think, you go, yes, yes. Nick, I just picture Vince in his office going, this is great stuff. <laughs> chop him, chop out a line. I'm going to go rape the woman. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, all right. Well, we'll say goodbye for this week and uh, we'll catch you next time for who the feck is Adam Hughes or uh, who the feck is Hughesy. This is your buddy, the Chadster. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.